Yeah, and the best part about just our SROs in general is that usually the, a student's or a child's first interaction with law enforcement. Hello and welcome to Shop Talk, where we talk everything Scottsdale Police, answer your questions, and bring you updates from around the department. Now here are your hosts, Chief Jeff Walther and Sergeant Kevin Kwan. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 8. Mm-hmm. Of Shop Talk. I'm your host, uh, Chief Jeff Walter with Scottsdale Police Department uh, with my trusty sidekick. I was okay, Robin. Oh, sorry, Sergeant Kevin Kwan. You can call me whatever you want to. <laughs> Another great episode. Uh, uh, well, what do we think is a great episode. Hopefully, yep. you think it is a great episode as well. But uh, still super excited to be doing this and having our own podcast and really connecting with some uh, of our amazing community members and leaders in the community and uh, this time is exactly that just like the others and uh, i'm excited to have dennis robbins on with us former council member scottsdale charo and we're going to really talk about uh, uh talk about the charos today in the second part of our show and so very excited to have him come on with us um and, you know we, we we like to drag people kicking and screaming down onto our show and oh yeah i think dennis came willingly which is fantastic this time um, so we're real excited to get that get that rolling. I hope everybody's doing well. It's been a was a very busy uh, season for us with uh, with now the Bear Jackson Auto Auction behind us, the Prada behind us, and the WM Phoenix Open Open mm-hmm. uh, that we had. Uh, rough estimates came back to us. We're just over a million people. Wow! Um, over that week, which. Uh, yeah, I think most of our folks slept for a week after, solid, and um, it was great. It was a great, uh, another great tournament. And speaking of that, Kevin, I think you became an instant social media celebrity. So I even I, saw you on Golf Digest because you happened to to record while live streaming for the PD in your in your capacity as our social media guru and PIO guru. You you actually captured the hole in one and the chaos that followed. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty cool. So we were out there just talking about getting a ride share and making sure you're having a designated driver. We wanted to show the fans kind of the ambiance of 16. And it was on Saturday. And there was probably over 300,000 people there. Yeah. And the best part about it was uh, I kind of had hyped the crowd up a little bit above us. I'm like, hey, no matter what happens, just please cheer a little bit when they hit the green. And first shot was 14 feet from the green. And I heard these like... Like slight yeah. little clapping. I'm like, oh my gosh, these fans are so critical and we'll see what go happens. Yeah. And then sure enough, the uh, Sam Ryder hit this amazing shot. Watched the side spin drop yeah. right in the hole and and my uh, my idiot fandom went into case. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were pretty calm, cool, and collected. Um, maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> nope. did, you get, did you get the beer smell out of your uniform yet? Because the, the number of beers yeah. flying onto the course and spraying you and everybody else was... Uh, Honestly, it was the coolest golf video I've ever seen. It was pretty fun. Uh, when when it happened, we were right by the the green, like right right next to it. And as soon as I went into fandom and looked up, I, I can't tell you how many beer cans were just raining over my head and and being thrown on the green. And you know the the WM Phoenix Open staff they're not allowed to serve them with it close, so all of those were open, and they're yeah. either full or they're and it was. It was a, a great, great smell for the rest of the day. Yeah. But I asked many of the people that I talked to the next day on media, I'm like, hey, can you make sure that uh, you let my chief know that I wasn't drinking and there's video proof yeah. of it? So It was cool. Yeah. And I know you're, you're I mean, you're, you're pretty humble about all of the 
marriage proposals I think you've gotten uh, since then yeah. via social media. So. Yeah, it was really fun having uh, Scottsdale Fire there because they, they knew that we kind of we kind of took that one from them. So it was, yeah. great. It was, it was great. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get rolling to today's episode. We'll, as always, we start with questions that we solicit and receive from our, our citizens, our visitors, our business owners. Uh, excited to have those and some good some good questions that we receive through some of our social media platforms. So thanks to those who, who sent us questions. Yeah. And just a reminder, any, anytime anyone wants to submit a question, just all of the social media platforms is at, at Scottsdale PD in the search function. Uh, so you ready for our questions? As ready as I uh, as I think I'll ever be. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. With the CDC lifting restrictions on the effects of the pandemic, how does this affect the day-to-day operations within the city and within the police department's uh, operations? So real briefly, I'll talk about the city. The city is following the CDC guidelines. So that will, you know, that what that does is that that makes masks optional. You're still welcome to wear a mask if you want. Uh, but that is optional for city employees. Um, we're in the process of opening our building. So most of our district stations now, uh, McKellips, downtown, Via Linda, and Foothills district stations are all open uh, for public walk-ins, as is uh, the headquarters building. So that's the kind of the biggest change for us. Prior to that, now PD, very PD specific is that um, we were already, if you were outside, if our, if our officers or police aides were outside and, and making contact with the public, they, um, masks were optional. If they were inside uh, and couldn't maintain a six foot distance, then they, they could wear a mask. But so now that's just really made it much easier uh, instead of thinking, well, am I six feet away? Am I, am I social distancing? They're just not wearing them now. So it's optional. I'm, I still have some employees that that are, are wearing them optionally, which which is fantastic. I want them to make sure that they feel safe doing what they're doing. Uh, but the, what we've noticed is that pretty much everything's gone back to, to pre-pandemic. And so that's, uh, that's kind of been our footprint. Uh, one of those things that we've also done and kind of learned some things from the pandemic is we just rolled out another our Citizens Academy, which we haven't done since before the pandemic. And what I like about that is that things, people got so used to doing things virtually that we have 30 people in person in our Citizens Academy this year, or this one this year, and we have 13 people who are attending Citizens Academy virtually. Right. It's the first time we've ever done that. Um, We really want to make sure that we can include as many people as possible. And if they don't feel comfortable yet in large groups, then we want to at least offer them that to them virtually. So that's uh, been met with great success. I think we're in probably week five or six now. Five? Um, five. Yeah, five. Mm -hmm. So, uh, which is great. So um, I'm happy to be doing that. Happy that things are open. Uh, As a side note, I was in Salt Lake City Friday through Monday this past weekend for my oldest granddaughter's volleyball, national volleyball tournament. Hundred courts, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people there, and so my wife and I looked at each other and said, "Oh, it looks like uh, the world is fully open, which is a good thing." And I know we've had some questions in the past about uh, volunteers and ride-alongs. So you want to address yes. that? So we haven't uh, opened up ride-alongs just yet. That's a more uh, confined space. We are doing ride-alongs for some of our um, uh, the people who are applying to be police officers here, but we'll roll out uh, opening ride-alongs here in the next month or so. Um, how we did it before the pandemic and what was your others for volunteers, volunteers. Thank you. So volunteers, um, we're going to really start, I have a desire to really, uh, make our volunteer program much more robust 
in the organization. And so we'll start rolling that out here in the next month or two uh, to really solicit volunteers. We're going to meet and have kind of a retreat to talk about who in the organization, what units, what sections uh, want or need volunteers and why. And then we'll do a recruitment for volunteers. So you'll see that on our social media then. We'll, we'll, we'll blast it out yep. and, and send some information. Again, and with the Citizens Academy, uh, we, we do it twice a year. So once in the spring, once in the fall. So next next time for um, fall, if, if you're interested in attending, just shoot us an email or wait for the announcement to come out. And again, there are those two options that we have. Yeah, great. So, so jumping into our next question, this is really relevant to what we just saw the past couple weekends and what uh, Mayor Ortega and the council was speaking about. So the recent street street takeover uh, that happened on 68th Street in Scottsdale, right, South Scottsdale. Right. Intersection takeover. The intersection takeover is correct. Um, it's a concern with safety. So what is the police department doing sure. to address these types of uh, issues that, that go yeah. on? So first and foremost, for our listeners to understand is that this is not new. This is not a new phenomenon. Intersection takeovers have been going on for a couple of years. In fact, there were a couple of great news stories from that two-ish, two and a half years ago about intersection takeovers, about street racing. And really what we saw during the pandemic is those drastically increased. The number of speed, uh, uh, number of street racers and the numbers of excessive speeding above 100 miles an hour, we saw skyrocket. Additionally, um, we had two intersection takeovers last year that we thwarted um, due to some good intelligence and great communication. Um, with the there's a there's a Phoenix Police Department has a street racing task force. That's how big the problem has gotten in the city of Phoenix and spread all over the valley. As does the Department of Public Safety. They have a street racing task force, and we're tied into those two groups with intelligence. Our intel unit gets intel from from those, and so we knew when some of the street takeovers were last year, and we put patrol cars in those intersections with lights on, and those people just drove right by. Happened again last weekend. So had report uh, some intelligence of an intersection takeover that was going to be at Goldwater and Camelback. We moved patrol units into that intersection with lights on, and the the the, the intersection takeover folks just continued driving, following the the uh, this you know the laws, um, traffic laws, and they wound up doing a intersection takeover on the reservation. Which so, is not our intent. What the no. intent is, wherever the intelligence comes from, we want yes. to make sure that it's not going to happen and we can protect ourselves. Exactly. Here. Yeah. And so uh, the one that happened at 68th and Camelback uh, that was, was recent uh, and then wound up at 16th Street in Glendale, uh, same group, shots fired in both of those incidents. Um, obviously, those are a big deal. And when they happen, I think people are like, how did this happen? Well, it happens because uh, these folks are communicating and not always via social media. They're they're communicating uh, via secure uh, apps uh, that, and they're texting back and forth and providing that info to one another uh, to, to kind of thwart the the police uh, intelligence units looking at what they're doing. And so, what are we doing? Well, we're doing some of the same things we were doing last year to thwart these. The first I mentioned already is we're very tied into the street racing task forces in the valley. And we share intelligence constantly about where they're going to be, where car meetups are. Not all car meetups are bad. For those of you in car meetups, not all car meetups are bad. The different type of, of people who are meeting uh, or groups that are meeting who have nefarious intent to do, to do street takeovers. And so that intelligence is really the first step in thwarting that, as we did last weekend, uh, as we did two times last year as well. So that's the first step. The second step then is really... 
um, hitting those intersections pretty aggressively when it does happen or really aggressively hitting street racers because the people who are street racing typically are also the people who are doing uh, intersection takeovers. And so now if we catch you street racing and the speeds are, are pretty high or criminal speed, we're just towing your vehicle. So you're going to jail. You're not getting a, you're not getting a criminal citation. You're going to jail and we're towing your vehicle as well. And that 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 has a financial um, uh, portion of that that we kind of want to we kind of want to look at that at, at that financial portion. And re- you recognize that there are double adverse consequences. You're going to jail, number one. And number two, you're going to pay a lot of money to get your car out of uh, out of impound. So. Uh, the other thing is that we're we're running a lot of different uh, through our traffic enforcement section and our patrol force, our patrol units is that we're running a lot of um, enforcement, speed enforcement, speed awareness details. Uh, and so we're spending a lot of time doing that. Um, I've committed to council and I did this last year as well, is that one, uh, my traffic enforcement lieutenant puts together a monthly s- speed awareness summary that I get to council Here's what we're doing. Here's how many citations. Here's the photo radar has been out. Photo radar, love it or hate it, photo radar slows people down. And so tip, typically um, what we're seeing is, which is, a, which is a disturbing trend, and I'm glad we have photo enforcement, is we're seeing, uh, and we saw in 2021, a significant rise in the number of 100 plus mile an hour captures via photo enforcement. And so those people, then we, when we get those, we go out and we arrest them. So photo enforcement is also a key component of our enforcement strategy. Our motor officers, our aggressive driving squad, our DUI squad works all those as well. So we have a very robust response to that. The reality, however, is if we don't get the intelligence or we don't find out when an intersection takeover is going to occur and if it's going to take in Scottsdale, it happens. There, we can't stop everything, and when it, but when it does happen – we have a very trained and coordinated response that the sergeant will get several units together first and then we'll then we'll move into that intersection. We don't want lone officers going in the middle of that intersection because typically when you have an intersection takeover, you have guns involved like the last two um, or shots were fired and other vehicles were hit. So it's a very coordinated response on our end. And our biggest advice to anybody in those areas, kind of what we've told the media to push out to is – if you see it, report it, and get away from get away the area. From it. Yeah, get it, away it's from it. the innocent bystanders that we are concerned about because the way that people lose control of their vehicles all the time, that's that reckless right. abandonment that we right. want to prevent. Right. Okay, changing uh, topics here. Um, uh, citizens saw a news report about Scotser hiring lateral officers and officers from out of state to deal with the staffing issues. What should I apply to Scott or why should they apply to Scottsdale instead of another agency? We're better. Okay. What's the next question? No. So I get this question pretty frequently. In fact, I just came from a meeting with, with uh, uh, some of my East Valley counterparts where we meet uh, every, every quarter to talk about just a small group of us, Mesa, Tempe, Chandler, Gilbert, us. And so we meet to have some conversation about trends that are going on, hiring that's going on. And, and, um, I'm 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 really sad to tell everybody who listens that this is this is a very unique time uh, to be in law enforcement and trying to be hire to try to hire uh, police professionals or law enforcement folks to who want to come into a police department not just on the sworn side but on the professional staff side as well 
because of some of the narrative that's gone on in the country over the last two years that really has painted law enforcement with a very broad brush um, and, and to kind of almost painted us into, into a corner where somehow the police are bad and nothing could be further from the truth than that. Uh, the, the, the vast majority of police officers in this country, certainly in our city, are amazing, amazing service-oriented, I mean, true hearts of servants. And so they, they do great work under very difficult circumstances. And so the question is, why, why come here? Well, one of the biggest things is the lateral officers that we're hiring from are coming from Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, other areas of California, Washington State, Oregon, Minnesota. Are you seeing a trend here? Illinois, um, some from Maryland. Uh, we just hired, I think we have the, our fourth lateral officer in process from, from Philadelphia. Yeah, I think I think our listeners get an idea of what the issue is. It's where in those areas where there's a lot of strife and consternation and a lot of a lot of uh, issues going back and forth between those police departments and the communities that they serve. Um, there's just a there's a big uh, defund movement in a lot of those places. Defund the police, and they come here because well, number one, if you're in Philadelphia in the winter or you're in Chicago during the winter, it's probably not a great place to be a police officer. Great city, uh, but uh, not you know it's, it's cold. Um, and when you come out here, in fact, I talked to uh, I talked to an officer from Chicago PD yesterday um, who's thinking about coming to Scottsdale, and he said, "Look at this weather." He's like, "I got to get on a plane tomorrow and fly back to Chicago." And he's going to freeze his butt off. And he came out here, so look at the weather. Um, and he recognized the biggest thing in Scottsdale, and that is the vast majority of our citizens and our visitors, our business owners, truly support the police in this community. And so one of the things that you and I talked about in the community engagement section with our folks in community engagement is one of our selling points is to lateral officers from around the country is, hey, Come work for a, for a community that supports you. Um, and so that's really such a good selling point. I mean, I could go on and on on, on our show, but I want to get to Dennis here eventually. I want to go on and on about being the only uh, duly accredited municipal police agency in Arizona. Uh, I could talk about the professionals. I could talk about we get you know thousands of applications annually, but we, we skim the cream of the crop off the top, and those are who we hire the problem is, is that fewer and fewer people want to be police officers, want to be communications dispatchers or records personnel. Fewer, everybody wants to be crime scene. Everybody wants to be a forensic scientist because um, uh, of all the TV shows. But fewer and fewer people want to be police officers. But do you blame them? If you look at the narrative and look at what's going on, a lot of people will say, you know what, that looks like a super you know, noble position or noble job. But I don't think I want to do that. We're different here. We really, really are different here. And there's some good agencies in the Valley. I named a few of them uh, that I met with today, but we're still, we're different. We, we, we see ourselves as part of the community. And you must, for, to be successful in law enforcement, you must see yourself as part of the community. The other thing that we do differently is if you call us, will come. Now, I know there's people who are listening who are like, hey, wait a minute, I called the Scottsdale police and it took them four hours to get there. Believe it or not, we're a very busy police department. And so there are those calls that that we have that we prioritize. We're going to get to you eventually. 
but we have higher priority calls that we get to that are more emergent. Uh, but if I always use this line, it's my favorite, one of my favorite characters from the old Bewitched, Mrs. Kravitz, right? If Mrs. Kravitz calls in the middle of the night and says, and this is a true call, and I use this often, if Mrs. Kravitz calls in the middle of the night and says, hi, I'm a widower and uh, my toilet's overflowing and I can't get it to stop, can you help me? Are we going, Kevin? Absolutely. You're right. We are. We are absolutely going. And a lot of police departments will say, I'm sorry, that's not a police issue. You know, call a plumber, call a 24-hour, you know, plumbing service. No, we're going to go. We're going to help Mrs. Kravitz turn that water off. And then we're going to call the fire department because those those guys only work two days a week anyway. And I guarantee you one of them is a plumber as a side job and they'll come out and help out. Or clean her pool or do her landscaping. Sorry, Thanks for that. It's an my, awesome insight to the fire. I, I very much appreciate my brothers and sisters at Scottsdale Fire. <laughs> All right. Last really last community question for the uh, episode. Your agency recently put out a tweet, um, which I think is funny for the word Twitter, but it's a tweet <laughs> about a crisis canine uh, that you just we just uh, welcomed into the, the fray here with our agency. What do they do? What's their name? A little bit about who they are and, and why was there a need for another one? So the crisis canines are amazing. We first rolled out uh, a crisis canine um, in our police crisis intervention services uh, chase and had incredible success with that. Uh, animals are incredibly intuitive. Fozzie. Fozzie yeah, sorry. is the original. Sorry. I'm, I'm thinking about Chase right now. Right yes, now. Fozzie's the original. So start that uh, one again. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we started out uh, with a crisis canine, Fozzie. Um, years ago uh, in our police crisis intervention service and just found so much success in dealing with victims of crime, of people who were, who were um, in mental distress and emotional distress. And so it was such a great program that other agencies, police agencies from around the country copied that. And sadly, like all dogs, Fozzie passed away and we replaced Fozzie. Can never replace Fozzie, but the next next uh, crisis canine with Chase. Uh, and then we found that we really wanted to expand that program with our partners at the Scottsdale Unified School District. And we did so, I want to say two years ago now. Uh, no, just, it was not two years Rocket ago. Rocket was, was implemented it was, last year. Rocket was just after I came here because one yeah. of the first press conferences I did when I came back as the chief was for Rocket. Yeah. And, uh, and Officer Devin Lines at Chaparral High School. And so it was over the last now year, and that was such great success. And the kids in the high schools in particular, and some of the middle schools, um, especially in, in with the pandemic and a lot of the isolation, yeah. a lot of the distress and angst that went on with uh, learning remotely and not seeing friends. When they came back, what we found was that there was a lot of mental anguish going on. And if they wouldn't speak to a guidance counselor or speak to one of the officers uh, in the schools, they would speak if they were petting Rocket. They would get it off their chest. They would talk about things. And so we saw an opportunity, as did SUSD, to expand that program. Uh, and so we've expanded that program now to Coronado High School and Officer Alvin Pease, with Captain, yep. who looks like uh, pretty much like a big carpet, fluffy it's, carpet, seventies his, shag his carpet, hair is pretty darn awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and so what we're seeing is that there's such a great connection between the dog, uh, the crisis canine, and our young people um, who are experiencing some difficulty right now. Even if they're not experiencing difficulty, it's also great for us because kids 
connect with animals and then that helps connect the kids to the officer. Yeah. And that's really what we want. So uh, I'm, I'm happy to tell you that uh, no funding from the PD uh, paid for either one of those crisis canines. Those were paid for out of foundations, uh, charity fo- charitable foundations in SUSD, Scottsdale Unified School District. Uh, I pay for the officers and, and we take care of uh, the dogs, obviously, but the dogs were purchased uh, by donations to the Scottsdale Unified School District. So it's amazing. And we'll actually be doing one more uh, late this year. So, and that will probably round out our crisis canines. Yeah. And the best part about just our SROs in general is that usually the, a student's or a child's first interaction with law enforcement and to be able to bridge the gap even more with the crisis canine just helps to say, Hey, police officers are here. We, we want to talk to you. We just want to get to know you because if something happens, we want you to call us. Um, all right. So that wraps it up for our community questions. Uh, again, drop us a line at any social media platform that we have. Uh, you can search us at Scottsdale PD. Thanks for the questions. Another uh, great round. And I know we didn't get to all of them this time. We don't have limited time, but uh, those are questions we didn't get to this month. We will roll over to next month and we'll get those out as well. A big thank you to our valued listeners for sending in your questions. Now let's get on with the show. Our featured guest today was born and raised in Scottsdale. He has a bachelor's degree in philosophy from California Lutheran University, a Juris Doctorate from Pepperdine University School of Law, and is working towards a master's in public administration through Villanova University. He served two terms on the Scottsdale City Council, has owned multiple automotive franchises, and practiced law in the areas of business, real estate, and commercial transactions around the state of Arizona. Please welcome the past president and current member of the Charles organization since 1995, Mr. Dennis Robbins. Dennis, welcome. It's good to see you. Thank you. And uh, thanks for being on the show. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me. Very happy to be here. Okay. Uh, can you kind of tell us a little bit, give us a little bit, uh, you know, uh, just for our viewers, our listeners, viewers, our listeners um, from Scottsdale, they know your name, they know uh, some of your background. Can you just give us a little bit about... Uh, about uh, your 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 connection to Scottsdale and how um, really how connected you've been to the city for a very long time and kind of roll in there, char the charros as well. Sure, yeah. So I'm uh, fortunate enough to be born and raised in Scottsdale. So I lived out in the far north part of town at Scottsdale and Shea. Okay, yeah. But back then it was the far north <laughs> part was, of town, right? Right. <laughs> um, and so, uh, and then my history goes even further. Actually, my dad moved here in 47, 1947. Wow. The only paved street was Scottsdale Road. He lived in an adobe house south of Thomas on Scottsdale Road. I remember my grandparents' house, even when I was a kid, they were still there. It was really cool. That's awesome. So um, long time family here and uh, we love Scottsdale. Um, so I lived across the street from Herb Drinkwater. <laughs> wow. So he was kind of like a second father to me. I saw his uh, political career uh, mushroom, you know, over the years and all his connections and knew all the old council members back in the day. And so I kind of got a bug way back then, yeah. you know, and said, yeah. I, I love the way these gentlemen serve their community, give back, love Scottsdale. And so when I had the opportunity to run, I ran and and uh, and was very fortunate to serve Scottsdale. So, you know, ran a business here, raised my family here, and um, just absolutely love Scottsdale. Yeah, that's 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 great. So I saw that you did go to uh, undergrad at Calu in California, and you did your JD at Pepperdine. Uh, what really brought you back to Scottsdale after uh, or the Valley after college? I mean, it's 
it's two of the coolest places that you could be in California just beautification-wise, and, and you came back. Did you just use beautification? It's got to be a word, right? Yeah, maybe to you. So, yeah, I mean, it was a great place to go to school, and um, but Scottsdale's still better. You know, Arizona's still better, and California's good to visit, but you don't want to live there, right? right. And so yeah. Yeah. Um, when I had the opportunity to come back here and, and uh, take the bar, and I practiced law for a couple of years, and then went into the family business, Midas Auto Service, and, uh, and then started serving the community. I just really wanted to give back and really wanted to be a part of Scottsdale, and, and so I got involved in the Charos and and in uh, some of the boards and commissions in town. And um, again, back to that Herb Drinkwater connection and um, just started my my public service, which I, I just love and continue to that to this, to this day. So yeah, I mean, Scottsdale is a, a great place to be and it continues to be, you know, just wonderful. That's great. I think that's a good segue into the Charos. I think most people, they, you know, they, especially spring training or they understand or they see the Charos, they see the Charos logo and I think if you've been in Scottsdale a long time, you understand what the char- charos are. But if you if you're not, if you just kind of what are the charos? And so can you can you talk about the charos organization and what its mission is? Yeah, so this is kind of a cool story. So back in the '50s, there was a group called the Scottsdale Baseball Club. And they're a group of business people that just really wanted to promote Scottsdale, get people here to shop and to eat and and to just promote the city. And so they, carved a corner out of a, of a farm, literally, and built a baseball field. I mean, really, just like, wow. right? I didn't know that. <laughs> and so, and it's still in the exact same place that it originally was in the 50s. They went out and sold seat licenses for like $500 a piece. They raised like $50,000 and they built a $70,000 wooden stadium. And the the story goes, there was some some gentlemen from the Scottsdale Baseball Club having lunch at the Pink Pony. And the owner of the Baltimore Orioles had just played golf at somewhere. And he walked in and and they said, hey, owner of the Baltimore Orioles, whoever he was, you should bring your baseball team here to Scottsdale to play spring training. And he said, well, build me a stadium and I will. And so true to his word, once they built a stadium, they were the first team to come to Scottsdale and play. And they played here for a couple seasons. And then they moved to wherever they moved to. But yeah, it was a really cool story. And back in the day, you know, it was all handshake and 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 honor. And, yeah. and, uh, and so that kind of got Scottsdale. And so they did that. This Scottsdale Baseball Club did that for about five years. And they said, hey, we need some help. They, um, they went to the chamber and they said, can you help us get a group together to kind of take this over? And so they deeded the property to the city, the, the stadium. And the chamber created the Charos. And so we were really boots on the ground, ushers, sold programs, took the tickets. I mean, we were everything, yeah. just labor, you know, sweat equity. <laughs> and we did that for a couple decades, really. Um, and we had five different teams come through Scottsdale. And in the 80s, when the Giants came here, we finally started to get to where we were making some money on this thing. You know, it got a little bit more complex and you saw where some dollars could be had. And so we started raising a little bit of money. And then we said, well, what are we going to do with this money? And so we really started to give it back to, um, we honored some students in some of the high schools and we started giving back to some of the charities, the local charities. And so that just started our path to where we said, hey, we, this is a good, this is a good mix. You know, this is how Scottsdale works is, is it's a partnership between the business community, government and the community yeah. to make this a better place mm-hmm. to live, right? <clears throat> and so and it, unlike any other community in the Valley, there there's some other baseball supportive groups, but nobody who is entrenched like we are. And so now we're to the point where 
We sell all the advertising in the stadium. We have a VIP section in right field called the Charles Lodge. We buy 10,000 tickets a year from the Giants, and then we package those and sell them to the public called the Charles Lodge. Um, we sell the baseball program when you walk in the front door. We do the 50-50 raffle. So we net about a little over a million dollars a year okay. through those efforts in that 30-day window. And then all that money gets plowed back into the community. And so half of the money goes to... Uh, grants to local charities, mm-hmm. and then the other half goes to SUSD to to scholarships yeah. and funding things that are off budget. Yeah, I, I will tell you just because it's it's very timely is that uh, we too in the in the police department, some of our cadets uh, are going to be recipients of a of a new scholarship too that I'm I'm very excited about. So um, we we can we can talk about that as well. There was something other time that you mentioned timely because. Um, you know, we when we put this out, uh, usually it's a within a week or so of of recording this. Yep. But here we sit on March 10th, and we're in a lockout still. But I think you have some news. I do. So right as I came wa- today, I know I walked in here and I said, "Did you guys hear?" And you said, "No." What? <laughs> they just came to an agreement that the uh, the CBA has been agreed to by the players and the owners. And they're talking, so today's the 10th, as you said, and I think they're going to have reporting by the 13th, which is Sunday. Okay. So they try to get everybody in into town by Sunday. And then hopefully late next week, maybe even by, maybe by St. Patty's Day. Oh, that'd be great. I mean, I'm sure everybody's gunning for a week from today would be St. Patrick's uh-huh. Day, um, which is a huge night for everybody. And uh, it would be really nice to have a game that night. We have one, it's scheduled for seven o'clock on Thursday night. So we're hopeful. You know, I was I was worried that we were going to miss the whole spring training, and that's such a big deal for us. It's a big deal for the Charos and fundraising, and so I'm I'm fingers crossed that we that we're playing on St. Patty's Day. Uh, that that would be uh, that would be tremendous because it, it really is a benefit to all of us. Yeah, and the crazy thing is, you know, when you think about it, two years ago is when the pandemic hit, almost to this day, right? In fact, it was it was on the tenth, I believe, oh, of March, yeah, right? Yeah. And so we are, we had 10 games in to spring training, which had 16 games. So we canceled the last six games, had to write refunds to a lot uh. of people. And then, so we obviously, everybody lost money that year, or didn't make as much as you normally would. And then last year, we only had 25% capacity, if that. And so we had a horrible year last year. So we're thinking, yeah, this is the third year, you know, it's yeah. going to be a great year. And then we have a lockout. Right. And the crazy thing is two years ago, we just had... In the community had just invested $50 million into our stadium yes. Yes. with a whole new, yeah. you know, refurbishing and made it look beautiful and did all these new things. And uh, and then here we've had three years in a yeah. row that's been difficult. So The well, field house is gorgeous. Yeah, uh, the great? new field house it is, is it's just, amazing. We've hosted a couple of yeah, events we, from the city there to do promotions and stuff. And it's you walk in and you're like, wow, this is so state-of-the-art. And, and just it's huge. Looking at, it's huge. Looking yeah. out to the fields that were right there. I mean, it's, yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, I love going up to the Charles Lounge just to look at when it's a night game. You have the whole sunset yeah, and you have the yeah. ambiance of just spring training baseball. You can't get any more antithesis of like yeah. spring training baseball yeah. up there. You know, Dennis, can you talk about we always we always bring this back around when we have a guest on um, about really then the connectivity between the Charos and the police department. And one of the things we mentioned already was the, and then we can talk about that is the scholarship. But the Charos have always been really connected. Um, to the police department. Can you talk about that a little bit? So we're primarily an event company, an event producer, right? So we do baseball, we do um, our education banquet. We just took over the Prada del Sol. We have a golf tournament. 
Um, we have all kinds of, we've, over the years, we've done a tennis tournament. We've done another golf tournament. We've done a marathon. If you remember back in the day, we did the Fiesta Bowl marathon. Um, so we've done events for our history, our 60 year history. So of course that's all engaging the public. And that means that there's public safety involved. And so right. the police department has been a partner of ours, right. whether directly or indirectly for our whole existence. And so we depend on you and our relationship with you to make sure that what we do is safe and people feel safe doing it. And so, um, you know, you talk about the recruiting people to come to Scottsdale to be police officers and or to be business owners or to be residents or whatever it is. And safety is everyone's number Absolutely. one priority. So you guys play a huge part in our economic development, in who we are as a community, and allowing us to provide safe events that really make Scottsdale who they are. Absolutely. Right? And so everything that we do is um, very important to you, what you do is very important to what we do and, and allows us to give back to the community. I'm so happy to hear you talk about that because I, it's such, I think it's such an important component that, um, in fact, I had a awards presentation to some of my officers uh, this morning, a critical service in, in a, in a life-saving award related to a violent crime that happened. But what we talk about is that I try to let them know and they understand. And when I have community events and I t talk at community events is that Scottsdale is an, has a national and an international reputation as a place to come. That's why we see 11 million plus visitors. It's why uh, we'll see some great visitors out now at the, now at the uh, Scottsdale Stadium for spring training. But that's all predicated upon the level of safety people feel when they're here. And, and so I, I try to impart to my, to my officers, to my police aides, to all my employees, almost 700 employees in the, in the Scottsdale Police Department, that Scottsdale is Scottsdale because of the level of safety that we're able to provide here, the level of service that we're able to provide, that we have the right staffing and the right number of people. And so I appreciate you saying that there's such great connectivity between your organization and ours and how that is all the foundational component of that is about how safe our city is. Uh, don't get me wrong, we have crime. One of the questions we didn't get to was about our level of violent crime that has gone up, and we'll talk about that one next month. Yep. Um, but by and large, still an extremely, extremely safe city for you know a quarter of a million people and 11 million visitors and a daily net importer of uh, of workers into our city every every uh, day. And so I, I appreciate that very much. You know, one of the cool things, uh, I've gone to the Prada kind of back and forth over the years, you know, and this year felt really different. Kind of like we've talked about the open. It felt really different. People were so excited to be there. Yeah. And with you guys at the front and, and how you guys are all dressed the same, like the, the awes that you see and heard from the crowd, it was such a really cool experience. So, um, I know our community appreciates what you guys do. The, uh, the simple of the parades to coming back and doing a parades and now doing baseball. It is, yeah. it's such an impactful for our community. So, um, we appreciate that. Thank you. Um, Here's a fun thing that uh, we didn't give you ahead of time. Uh, we, <laughs> I, I kept this question off on purpose. Oh, great. That's great. Okay. So we heard you were just inducted into Scottsdale's History Hall of Fame by the Scottsdale Area Chamber of Commerce. So congratulations, congratulations. on that. Thank you. Thank what you. what goes into that? Where does that all stem from? Um, okay, you, you told us your history about it, but I mean, the it's, Hall such of fame. A, it's such a cool culmination. It's so connected to baseball connected. too, right? <laughs> wow. I know. It was a super cool night. Well, the funny thing is, is they actually an announced the winners two and a half years ago. So oh. this was before the pandemic, <laughs> right? Is this crazy? So 
in 2019, like the late fall, they announce it. And then in, in the spring of 2020 is when they usually have their event, like in May or something. Well, obviously, you couldn't have it in May of 2020. So they're like, okay, well, the fall, everything will be back together in fall. No, that yeah. didn't happen. Remember, the next two weeks to flatten the curve. Exactly. <laughs> oh, well, then next spring, it'll be fine. 2021, everything's going to be great. Well, of course, that wasn't great. I mean, you know how it's been. It's just been crazy. So they finally said, oh, my gosh, we're going to have this thing, whether we're outdoors or not. And so it finally happened two and a half years later. And it's such a cool thing. And uh, it's so neat. It, it's fun to bring people who've never, who don't know that much about the inner inner yeah. workings of Scottsdale to that event because they see so many people and entities like Experience Scottsdale and Salt River Project um, be inducted into that. And they're like, oh my gosh, it, people just don't understand what it takes to have a quality yeah. community and all the things that it entails, you know, the police department, the fire department, all the people, all the nonprofits, all the businesses. It's just so complex. But you get to see some really neat people and in, in organizations that night. It was wonderful. That's fantastic. It Congrats. Was. That's great. Thank you so much. Uh, and, you know, I, I know this one's not in here, but I always thought, how do I, how do I become a char? How can I become a char? Right. And then I saw one of our sergeants became a charo. Yeah, <laughs> he did. Shout out to Nick Alamshaw yeah. and becoming a charo. And so, um, well, I'll tell you, you got to start, Chief. We have to get you on a charo ride. I know, you know, we have. It's that's the Casey eye of the needle. Solem is <laughs> always on me about. He comes into the building. Hey, Chief, we're going to get you on the charo ride. Those horses are scary. I mean. <laughs> You have them in your department. Uh, Maybe I you should go spend some time uh, at Westworld. I do, but I only pet them, and then I run. <laughs> I, I run away quickly. They're very large and have very small brains, but they're—I mean—they're beautiful, majestic creatures. But they, I'm a little, af- so a little I afraid. I know you—you you were going to talk about this, but I just want to make sure we mention that scholarship. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we had a Charo who was managing. Um, some uh, so there was an officer um, that he knew that was killed in the line of duty. So they established a fund for his son to go to college. Mm-hmm. His son never used that money, and so it sat there for several years. And he said, "I got to do something with this." So he said, "What if we established a fund in 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 the Charos where we could reach out to police and fire cadets, who those wanting to become an officer or a firefighter, and help them obtain that goal?" Yeah. And so we met with. They met with you and they yep. met with Alan Rodbell, yep. former chief of police, and kind of put this whole thing together. And so we're super excited about this. We think we can really fundraise to this. Yeah. We can go out to the community and say, look, you need to help us build you know, the yeah. department and make sure the young people that can't afford it, they have so many requirements, so many hoops they have to right. jump through. Right. right? Application be- process yeah. and an interview and yeah, yeah. all that. And so we're really excited to be a part of that and to help in any way we can in just this small way and, and to highlight what you guys do and- and hopefully we can grow some of our own. We, in fact, I think on the on the fire side, Hoster's son is the fire cadet yeah, that yeah, we yeah um, Adam Hoster's yeah, son. Yeah, and I think they're going to send him to EMT school. Yeah, and yeah, and well, your helpful. your young man is Adam Reyes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So just wanted to shout out to him. That's that's great. fantastic. I super. It's an amazing thing. We really appreciate. I know the cadets. Then when I had a conversation with some of the cadets, they're like, "Oh, that would be great to, you know, compete for that." So that's terrific. That's a wrap for this episode featuring Dennis Robbins. Now let's jump into this show's for reals questions. All right, so this is this is my favorite part of the show because it gives our listeners kind of a um, time to learn about our guests and learn about our chief with just fun icebreaker type questions. Rapid and fire icebreaker. You never know what I can come up with and what I googled to actually get the questions out. So, um, and usually they're fairly nerdy. So. 
Well, I mean, there was this whole one that we started with, like Star Wars versus Star Trek, and, and Chief went the wrong way, so he he went Trekkie, and I just didn't appreciate it. So I, I know how to craft my questions now. All right, this is a fun one because I actually have a doppelganger in the PD, and he is in charge of the mounted unit. And I can't tell you how many times our family Sergeant members, Greg Maston, our family members have mistaken both of us on social media. So that's my doppelganger. Yeah. So have you ever been mistaken for someone or someone famous? Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> During Castaway? <laughs> totally. <laughs> or <laughs> Ben Affleck in the town. <laughs> I can see that one. Absolutely. Oh my God. Same haircut. Except he was way more ripped. <laughs> I shoot better than him, though. Baskets? <laughs> Have you ever had so, that experience? That? Well, uh, it's so funny. Back when on my first term on city council, when the uh, Scottsdale Progress was still up and running, and they had an editorial cartoonist. Remember back in the day when yes. we had those, right? Yep. And so there's an editorial cartoonist that came in and, and did a, um, a caricature of every single person on the city council and the mayor as well and printed it. And mine was... Um, Gosh, the he was like the strawberry blonde cop um, 30 years ago on a cop show. If I said your, his name, you would know who he was. Um, but I, but, but regardless of that, but it was really well done. It was, it was really cool. But Kevin Bacon is sometimes. Oh, yeah, I could said, see that. I absolutely could yes, see that now. As soon as you, as say you that. said yeah, that. Yeah, like 100%. Total Kevin we Bacon. Will, uh, we will throw up a uh, side by side. Six degrees of separation, that, Kevin Bacon. That makes so much sense. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This one is uh, uh, kind of uh, why uh, people know that I don't prefer one or the other. So do you prefer sweet or savory? Sweet. See, I'm one of those sick people that I. And detested by sweets. Really? Yeah, I don't like it. It gets you kind of right back, and I don't know. Yeah. Um, there's actually a genetic gene. Yeah. Uh, where you are more sensitive. I to have so savory. much to say about that, but I won't. I, I think my parents are my genes every day. Um, here's a good one. If you could give a piece of advice to your younger self, what would it be? Oh wow piece of advice to my younger self not to like invest in microsoft and all that but yeah nothing that has nothing has to do with with uh time travel there's so many things i think that i would tell myself um only, be more be only one only one be more patient uh because i think patience it's easy to lose especially i think myself as a young cop back in the mid early and mid 90s um I needed to be far more patient. I needed to be more patient with my kids growing up. Uh, I think I needed to be more patient with my with my wife of 33 years in June. So I think really I I would tell myself it was it'd be important to be much more patient to 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 and that's really about listening and being more patient. So that's what I would do. And I would say as you get older, you realize that you really don't care what other people think about you. Oh, yeah. And good so point. if you knew that 20 yeah. years ago or yeah. 30 years ago, it would make things so much easier. Agreed. Right? Yeah, great point. All right. Is that why when, you know, when you see the, the old person on the park bench and they just don't give a darn about anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Name one thing that is still on your personal bucket list. So... The vast majority of my family is from Ireland. 
and so kind of 60-ish percent, probably two-thirds from, from Ireland, and the other third is from Germany. So I, I've always wanted to go visit uh, both of those places, and I, and I have not. So the, both of those are still on my bucket list uh, just because of that family connection. And mine's similar to that, actually. I kind of have this weird thing. I like tennis, and so I want to see all the major tennis tournaments. Yes. So I go to see the Australian Open, the French Open, yeah, that's Wimbledon, great. Yeah. and the U.S. Open. Yeah. Plus, that's that's right. great traveling, right. too. You get to see some great tennis, and you get to travel to some yep. pretty cool places. Yep. What is the most unusual thing you've ever eaten? And I got this from there's so many of those new shows now that are on TV yeah, that yeah, they yeah. travel to a random place and they're like, hey, Anthony Bourdain, try this. Yeah. And I was pretty fortunate. That was a little easier is that I worked in a Japanese restaurant for six years. So when I was a teenager. Uh, and so one of the things that I like, people love shrimp, right? But shrimp heads, deep fried shrimp heads with the brains included <laughs> um, are really tasty. So is octopus. Octopus is really yeah. good once you so, get over the suction cup concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, deep fried shrimp, shrimp heads. heads. Yeah. So I one of the benefits of growing up in Scottsdale as a kid, I was in 4-H. And so we had horses and we had friends who had a ranch. And we went up and, and helped them round up the cattle and do the branding and dehorning. And cutting off. Yeah, I know the, where this is going already. <laughs> right? I know where it's going, right? So the old Rocky Mountain Oysters. <laughs> the Rocky Mountain Oysters. Yes, yeah. sir. Yeah. On, on barbed wire. I mean, just on wire over the fire. I mean, that's how did they did it. Did you like it? Was it pretty No, taste? it wasn't. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> it's pretty gross. I thought you were going to say it tasted like chicken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's why I, I haven't been able to do that. Yet. No. That has been on a show, and I kind of was like, what? What, why? Why would we do this? Like, what? Are you um, watching too much Man versus Food? Or I love uh, that show. Diners, drive-ins, and dives. Yeah. yeah, I always wanted to go on Man versus. We had a Man versus Food a few years ago. Yeah, uh, where Adam Rickman came out and we did uh, Fire versus yes, uh, Police yeah. with Consumption, but us uh, tiny little skinny guys weren't invited, even though <laughs> we would consume the most. Right. Right. But anyways, we'll we'll get into that again and we'll get those up. So I appreciate uh, the time and uh, thank you for being our guest, Mr. Robbins. We really appreciate you coming out and dennis i can't thank you enough really for being here it gives i think some great insight to our to our citizenry about the charles i think everybody knows a lot of people know what what great things you do but that really kind of hit that home and what you do for us and that connectivity with with the police department and uh, i just appreciate your time spending with us today and our our listening audience uh thanks again for hanging in there with us on another one um, our goal is always to bring you people who are really connected to Scottsdale, leaders in Scottsdale, and how they're connected to the police department, and to answer your questions. Please feel free to send uh, questions on our, any of our social media po- uh, platforms. We are, if you've seen, we've gotten extremely active uh, on social media over the last 15 months, and uh, it's, been, uh, it's really been a boon for us. Uh, kudos to uh, Sergeant Kwan and his staff uh, for really uh, hitting home runs regularly on that, or holes in one. And... We'll see you. So be safe, everybody. And remember our our tagline of hashtag be more because every day offers each of us the opportunity to be more in the service of one another. And uh, remember, take care of each other. That's what we need to do. And we'll have a much better society. Thanks. all. be safe. Thank you for listening to Shop Talk Episode 8. If there is something you want to know and would like Chief Walther to answer it on a future episode, send us a message on any of our social media pages. You can find us at Scottsdale PD on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now we want to hear from you. 
go to the original podcast post on our social media page to tell us your answers to this round of For Reels questions. Again, thanks for tuning in to this month's episode of Shop Talk. Don't forget to DM us your questions for next month. Until then, remember to be more.